The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. You know, Thanksgiving is only 62 days away, and uh, it's going to get here real close. We always have a praise service at our church, and uh, we do it on a Tuesday night, and we'll have a time, we'll have a meal there, and you know, everybody will, will be thinking about things they're thankful for, you know, and praising God for, and, and, and it's a time, obviously, that's why they call it Thanksgiving, where we can just hit pause for a minute and say, God, we're thankful for what you've done in our life. But I don't know about you, there are so many times in my life that the flip side of that coin, I find myself complaining something I don't like, griping about something that didn't go my way, dissatisfied with things in my life, and it's real easy in our lives to to find ourselves not being thankful for what God has done, but looking for things that are negative in our life. You know, out west, a cowboy was driving down a dirt road, and his dog was riding in the back of the pickup truck, and his beautiful horse was in the trailer that he was pulling, and he failed to negotiate a curb and had an absolutely terrible accident. Well, sometime later, a highway patrol officer came on the scene, and he was an animal lover, this highway patrol officer, and he saw the horse that was, uh, that was there, it was by the by the the car there outside of the trailer and he realized the nature of its injuries and he knew that horse wouldn't make it and he he was suffering and he drew his service revolver and put the horse out of his misery. Well, he walked around the, the accident and found the dog. Unfortunately, the dog was hurt critically. The dog was hurting very bad and the officer had no choice. He loved animals and he took his revolver and, and uh, put the dog out of its misery and He walked around to the front of the truck there and he found the cowboy. The cowboy was laying in the grass and he had suffered multiple fractures and he was off in the weeds there. And and the, the, the officer looked at him, he said, sir, he said, are you okay? And the cowboy took one look at the smoking revolver and said, sir, I have never felt better in my life. I'm telling you, friends, it's real easy, you know, to to do the flip side and start complaining about things. Somebody said this, you'll find that as a rule, those who complain about the way the ball bounces are usually the ones who dropped it. And how true that is. You may have heard of the monk who joined a monastery, took a vow of silence. And after the first 10 years, his superior called him and asked him, he said, do you have anything to say? The monk looked at him, replied, he said, food, bad. Well, another 10 years passed. The monk again had the opportunity to express his thoughts, and he said, bed hard. Another 10 years passed, and he went before his superior, and he said, hey, he said, I want you to know, he said, I quit. The superior looked at him. He said this. He said, doesn't surprise me a bit. He said, you've done nothing but complain since you've been here. Friends, let me tell you, complaining is too often in our vocabularies. Too often is it, is it something that comes the first thing out of our mouth and we're looking for things around us that we don't like, that are negative. I want to give you a practical message that I hope will help you the rest of this year and hopefully the rest of your life. Take your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians, if you will, and turn to chapter number 10. And we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 1. You talk about the Bible being very clear. 1 Corinthians 10, chapter number 1, listen to what it says. Moreover, brethren... I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, 
And did all eat the same spiritual meat, verse 3. Verse 4, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. And when, that, when the Bible says that, you ought to sit up and listen. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, illustrations, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. God said enough is enough. Neither let us tempt Christ, verse 9, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. And then you zone in on verse number 10. And he says, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured. And God said, hey, everything's cool, everything's fine, no problem, I got it. I know you don't like how things are. God didn't say that. In fact, verse 10, the Bible says, and we're destroyed of the destroyer. What does God say about complaining? Does it really bother him? Or is it just accepted with his people? I mean, it's okay if you and I gripe and complain. I want to speak to you a brief message I've entitled, when God's people complain. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be at Pensacola Christian College. Thank you for this last chance, Lord, to be here today. And thank you, God, for these students and for their listening and just for us, uh, Lord, having the ability to connect. And I pray, God, that even a simple message about a topic we may not hear a lot about, but may it resonate in our hearts and minds and may we use it for your honor and glory. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. When you look at the Greek word in the Bible for grumble or murmur, it simply means to, to grumble. The Hebrew word is the word loon. It means to complain. In fact, the Bible says, neither murmur ye. God simply says, hey, don't do it. In other words, when you're tempted to complain, maybe you get sick, don't complain. When you're tempted, you lose your job, you're tempted to complain, don't complain. The bottom line is this, guys, complaining is sin, and God is very clear in his word about how you and I ought to respond even to unfortunate circumstances in our life. In fact, you look throughout the word of God. He speaks to the children of Israel of them murmuring in Exodus chapter 15, 16, and 17. Numbers chapter 14, 16, and 17. Deuteronomy 1, Jesus ex or God echoes it again. Joshua 9, Psalm 78, Psalm 106, 1 Corinthians 10. And every time that God mentions the word complaining or grumbling or murmuring, it is always negative. Every single time. God doesn't give us a kitchen pass and say, okay, it's okay if you murmur in this circumstance. There's no asterisk in the Bible and says, unless you're going through this, then it's okay. God says, don't do it. I'm here today telling you that I'm not the poster child for this topic. There's times in my life when I have absolutely blown it. Times when I've said, God, I don't want this, I don't like this, and I've griped and complained, and it is of the mercy of God that he is continue to show compassion in my life. I want you to see this morning very quickly three reasons why the children of Israel complain. And I want you to take your Bibles and go to Psalm 78. Let your fingers do the walking real quick. Psalm chapter 78. And I want you to see several things that I think will help us today. Three reasons why the children of Israel complain. Number one, they forgot the blessings of God. They forgot them. I, we used to sing a song, God is so good. In fact, we still sing it. God is so good. He's so good to me. And then you add all the other verses to it. The question is, is God really good when something comes down the pipe that you don't like? 
Is God really good in your life when, when something happens to you with your school bill or your health or, or something goes on in your family? Is God really good? They forgot the blessings of God. You say, preacher, what did they forget? They forgot his faithfulness. You say, how do you know that? Look at the Bible in chapter 78 of Psalm, verse number 12. Marvelous things. I mean, here is the yearbook for the children of Israel. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zone. Here it is. He divides the sea. He caused to pass through. He made the waters to stand as a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud. All the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness. He gave them drink out of the great depths. He brought streams out of the rock, caused waters to run down like rivers. Man, you talk about some Instagram and Facebook posts. This is pretty incredible. I mean, if they had it back then, they could say, here is what God did. But they forgot his direction in their lives. They forgot about it. Psalm 1611, the Bible says, Thou wilt show me the path of life at thy presence is fullness of joy. The Bible talks about that in Psalm 23, that the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to guide me. And they forgot in their life those commercials, if we could say, those moments where God did this and this and this. Never, ever, ever, gang, forget the blessings of Almighty God in your life. His faithfulness. They really forgot his, his, his faithfulness. They forgot the direction of his faithfulness. They forgot his deliverance. He had just brought them out of Egypt. And so many times in our life, guys, no matter what we're going through, it's easy for us just to forget the blessings of God in our life. They forgot his faithfulness. I wrote down number two as I studied this. They forgot his favor. What did God do for them? You look at the provision in chapter 78, verse 24. And it rained down manna upon them to eat, given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat, verse 25, angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. They, he, he sent food that was good enough for angels. He brought meals on wheels, if we could say. I mean, the angels brought it down, and they brought it so that they could eat. You talk about provision, and it fell in the middle of the camp, verse 28. It was fast food. They didn't have to go far to get it. God says, hey, I'm going to take care of you. The provision was incredible. Somebody said this, think about the good old days. Our, for, our forefathers did without sugar until the 13th century, without coal fires until the 14th century, without battered bread until the 15th century, without potatoes until the 16th century, without coffee, tea, and soup until the 17th century, without pudding until the 18th century, without matches and electricity until the 19th century, without canned goods until the 20th century. And then the question is now, what is it that we're complaining about? I mean, you think about it. God gives us so many good things. They forgot his faithfulness, his favor. What did he do? He provided for them, but also he protected them. Look in chapter 78, verse 42. Look what the Bible says. Yea, remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. I enjoy deer hunting as I've shared with a couple of the groups of guys I was speaking to and one day I was going hunting and I, I was in my little yellow Nissan pickup truck back then. It said Dotson on the back and we're driving down the road. I'm going to, to a place in South Georgia and, and as I'm going along there, it's raining back and forth and I'm in a hurry. I'm going to meet my dad to go hunting and uh, there's a truck in front of me and uh, I've, I've only had two, two uh, uh, instances in my life where I've had an accident. One was my fault, one was not. And so anyway, I'm going down there and, and as I'm following this guy, it's raining and I don't notice that he's stopping and he stops. And man, I hit the brakes of that little yellow Nissan truck 
and I skid, man, those, those tires did not hold on that wet pavement, and I skid, and I hit, and I banged that guy right in the rear. I remember thinking, man, alive, I've just blown my hunting trip. I remember getting out of the, out of the truck there, I'm walking out there, and, and, and I talked to the guy a little bit, and we have to reach under my, where, where my tire is. We had to pull out, out of the, the wheel well there just so I could turn my wheel. At least I could start the truck. It didn't mess up the engine, and and I got back in the truck after we exchanged our insurance information. And I turned my windshield wipers back on. And I only had one. And it was on the passenger side. And what I didn't realize, that man had a deer stand. He was also a hunter coming out the back of his pickup truck. That deer stand was sticking out of his truck. And when I rear-ended him, my windshield wipers were in the upright position and his deer stand sheared off my windshield wiper without going through the windshield. I remember thinking as I'm driving down the road there with one windshield wiper doing absolutely no good for me on the passenger side, I'm thinking, God, thank you for protecting me. It's just a little thing, isn't it? Not a big deal, huh? But when God looks out for you guys, and sometimes we don't even realize when God's protecting us, when God looks out for you, thank God for the blessings of God. And the children of Israel forgot about his provision, they forgot about his protection, and they forgot about his plenty. Look in chapter 78, verse 29. Look what the Bible says here. I mean, it's clear as it gets. So they did eat and were well filled. I mean, God took care of them. His faithfulness they'd forgotten, his favor they'd forgotten, they forgot his provision, his protection, his plenty. He was taking care of them, and they basically shoved it under the rug and said, you know what, forget all that, God, we're going to find something to complain about. I ask you, what do you complain about? I mean, what is it in your life? And I understand it may not be rosy, I got it. And I understand we have speed bumps in life, and I got it. And there's turbulence in life, I got it, my friend. But God says complaining is sin. They forgot his faithfulness, his favor, and as I was studying, I came upon chapter 78, verse 38. Would you look with me? They forgot his forgiveness. My, oh, my, when you see this, look what the Bible says. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity, destroyed them not, yea, many a time, don't ever forget that, turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. He is a loving, full of compassion God. And may I say this very kindly, and I'm speaking to myself, this room is full of repeat offenders. Full of it. And over and over and over again, and you know it, because I've done it. You have claimed 1 John 1, 9, and you've asked God to forgive you, get it now, for the same sin over and over and over again. And God, full of compassion, has forgiven you. Even though he's not for the sin, even though he doesn't want you to presumptuously commit that sin, because 1 John 1, 9 is in the book, God has forgiven you over and over again, and thank God for it. And they had been forgiven over and over and over again, and they forgot the blessings of God. Never forget what God's done in your life. If you've been born again, and I hope every single one of you have, never forget that salvation experience. Never forget the day you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and save your soul. Let me tell you, friends, if that's the only thing he gives you, that's the greatest thing you'll ever get in your life. Never forget the blessings of God. They did. Number two, the second reason I believe the children of Israel complained, they not only forgot the blessings of God, they focused on their problems. 
Now look at the text. We're going to switch to Numbers chapter 13. Again, I want you to do, let your fingers do some walking here. Numbers chapter 13, they focused on their problems. Numbers 13 and verse 29 is the story of Joshua and Caleb. They're going to spy out Canaan and and they're going to look and see see what's going on and, and, and see if they can take the land. Two guys are going there. You know the song, 12 men went to spy on Canaan. 10 were bad and two were good. These guys go, Joshua and Caleb, and, and they come back, and, and, and they're telling, hey, we can do this. And look in Numbers chapter 13, verse 29. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. He gets the crowd quiet, and he said, let us all go up once and possess it. And he says, hey, guys, we are able to well able to possess it. I mean, he's the captain of the team. There's the captain and the co-captain, Joshua and Caleb. Say, guys, we can do it. I know they're undefeated. I know that they've never lost a game, but you know what? We've got the team. We've got God as our coach, and we can win. And guess what happens? Everybody else on the team focuses on their size. So what's the problem with the children of Israel? They're focusing on their problems. What's their problem? They compared themselves with others. Hey, they're bigger than we are. You, want, you know what 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says? That if you compare yourself with somebody else, you're not wise. That's what it says. And so easy, it's so easy for us to compare. Do you realize there's always going to be somebody prettier than you, better looking than you, have more muscles than you, smarter than you. And when you start comparing yourself with somebody else, it is not a good thing. And you'll become negative and despondent and depressed. They focused on their problems. You are exactly the way that God made you. You see, they, they compared themselves with others. And then I wrote down, they convinced themselves, hey, we can't overcome them. In fact, the Bible says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 31, look at, their, look at the, the next verse. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They convinced themselves they couldn't overcome them. You know what tough situations require? They require, number one, a savior. And by the way, 1 Peter 5, 7, when you go through a trial, casting all your care upon him, why? He cares for you. And so many times the word cast means that, that, you, that God says, give me your whole backpack. I know it's loaded with books and cares and troubles, but I want you to give it to me. And so many times we'll say, okay, God, and we still have one string hanging onto our backpack and we're dragging along. God said it doesn't work that way. Cast all your care upon me, for he cares for you. What's the solution when, when, it, when a tough situation arises in our life? The Savior, then there's obviously Scripture. That is comfort there. There is saints who can encourage you. Surround yourself with people who are encouraging. There is steadfast commitment. But what happened to the children of Israel? They blew it. They failed the exam big time. When they should have been, uh, had faith in God, they should have found strength in God, they should have focused on God, they're complaining and they're focusing on their problems all around you. And let me say this, gang, if you focus on your problems and you're going to have them this semester, you're going to have them, then guess what? You're going to start complaining. And God hates that. Number three, not only in the text here do I find, or in the, the, the study of complaining, not only did... They forget the blessings of God. Not only did they focus on their problems, number three, they found fault with God's ways. Now, I want you to see this, if you will, Exodus chapter number 16. Exodus 16, the children of Israel are now wandering. They're wandering in the wilderness. In Exodus chapter 16, the Bible says in in verse number three here, it says, and the children of Israel said unto them, would to God we died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. 
We sat by the flesh pots, at least we had some food that we liked. And when we did eat bread to the full, for you brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And then you go to chapter 17, verse number three, and they're, they're whining again. And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And they're finding all kind of fault with God's ways. They're saying, God, I don't like what you're doing. And when you and I complain, that's exactly what we're doing. We're saying, God, I don't like the, what you're doing. I don't like how you orchestrated this. God, I don't like what's happening in my life. And you may not. But as my wife and my daughter, Joy, will many times when we go on vacation, and we'll vacation in Orlando many times, we'll go there, and they'll always bring a puzzle. And I'm not a puzzle guy at all. The only thing I will do with a puzzle is I'll put like one or two of the end pieces on. That is so cool to do that. And so easy. You know, you just get the corners, and it's easy. I'll do that, or when they're almost done, I'll try to get, sneak up and get the last two pieces and put them in. But, and they'll, they'll always have the box in front of them. You say, well, obviously I know why they have the box. The reason they have the box is so that they can look at the box, and you guys that like puzzles can see the box and see the pattern there and see what the, the, where that little piece is supposed to go, that eyeball that I'm seeing that's on this puzzle piece. Let me look at the box and see where that eyeball is on the box, and you'll try to figure it out. You say, what are you getting at? God sees the puzzle completed, guys. All we see sometimes is the pieces. And sometimes the pieces don't make a whole lot of sense. But don't put your fist if we say in the face of God and say, God, I don't like what you're doing. Don't find fault with God's ways. Remember in Psalm chapter 18, verse 30, the Bible says, as for God, his way is perfect. He's working behind the scenes. God is there, and sometimes you don't see it, and sometimes you're wondering, God, I don't like this. It's like Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. He has leprosy, and they tell him, oh, go wash in the river Jordan. He says, man, I don't want to go wash there. That river is nasty. And he suggested an alternate route. God says, no, go do it. Because when you wash in the river Jordan, your flesh is going to come like a baby. Friends, don't have fault with God's ways. You may not understand what's going on. You may not see through the fog but God is still there and he's working. Don't complain and gripe. Thank God for it. What is the result of their complaining? I want you to see what happens. You talk about a sad story. Take your Bibles, go to Numbers chapter 14, and we'll close with this. Numbers chapter 14. I want you to see this. Number four, not only did they, in their lives, did they forget the blessings of God and they focused on their problems, they found fault with God's ways. What's the result? They failed God's test of character. Do you realize, gang, that 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that when you go through a trial, God will always provide a way of escape? That does not mean that you're going to have uh, re relief necessarily immediately from what you're going through, but he'll give you the power and the strength to get through that. The children of Israel absolutely failed God's test of character. You say, what happened? Look in Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured, that's the word for complain, the Hebrew word loon, against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation said unto them, would God we had died in the land of Egypt, would God we had died in this wilderness, and wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives our children should be a prey, were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. Now stop the tape and listen carefully, gang. When you say that, they said, we don't want what you're doing, God, anymore. We want somebody else. 
And when you and I complain, we're saying, God, I don't like what you're doing. I got a better way. Do you know, friends, that every time our way is never as good as God's way? What happened? They rebelled against God. That's what they do. They rebel against God in Numbers chapter 1 and 4. They want to make a captain. Number 2, well, how does God respond? They're rebuked by God. Look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? In other words, his fuse is getting short. I mean, really short. It's almost down to where the firecracker is going to go off. How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I've shown to them, I've shown them over and over and over again. I will, verse 12, smite them with a pestilence, disinherit them, make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. When they rebelled against God, God says, okay, I'm going to rebuke you. All because they complained. All because they griped and they murmured. What happened to them? Not only did, were they rebelling against God, rebuked by God, they were removed by God. Now look at the text, please. Numbers 14, verse 26. You talk about sad stuff. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmuring of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me, saying to them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ear, so will I do to you. Verse 29, Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land, concerning which I swear to make you. Verse 31, But your little ones, which should be a prey, them will I bring in, and ye shall know the land which ye have despised, but as for you. Here it is. Some great news to the complainers. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. They didn't commit adultery. They didn't kill anybody. They didn't go steal something from the store. They didn't cheat on an exam. They complained. That's all they did. They complained, but while they complained, they're pointing their finger in the face of God and saying, God, you're not good enough. They complained against Almighty God. Maybe we should learn from Abraham and Isaac. Abraham's told to sacrifice his only son. There's no questions, no complaining. He says God will provide a lamb. Joseph is thrown into a pit. He, he gets put into slavery. He's blackmailed, put in jail, forgotten for two years, doesn't complain or grumble. He passed the test, and when his brothers show up to him, he says, hey, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Doesn't show he complained. Job loses everything, his sheep, his oxen, his camel, his cattle, his servants, his house, his family. He doesn't complain. He says he neither charged God foolishly. He passes the test. And when you and I complain... We have forgotten the blessings of God. We have focused on our problems. We found fault with God's ways. We failed God's test of character. I complained about my shoes until I saw a man with no feet. I complained about my bad knees until I saw a man who couldn't walk. I complained about my home until I went to the rescue mission and saw a bunch of guys who didn't have one. I complained about my parents until I went to the orphanage. I complained about my job until I found somebody who was jobless. I, I complained that I didn't have anything to live for until I read again that my Jesus died on a cruel cross for me. I'll never forget years ago, I was at a preacher's conference in Kansas City, Missouri. And at that conference, they brought a home of people called the Shepherd's Home. It was a bunch of folks who had Down syndrome. Down syndrome people generally have the same facial characteristics. And, and I remember as, I, as they all filed into this preacher's, uh, this, this room we're at with all the preachers and their wives, and 
The shepherds home all came in. It was about 30 of them, all with Down syndrome. And we watched as, as, as we were re- ready for them to, to do whatever they were going to do. I had no idea what they were going to do. And, and one guy by the name of Doug started to sing. Doug was probably 30 years old. And Doug with Down syndrome began to sing, Sometimes the day seems long. Our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur, and despair. And the group joined in, and I watched, including this preacher, as tears are coming down our cheeks. And then they sang, It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race. I don't remember the last little line there. I know it's till we see Christ, but I didn't remember it that day. Because when Doug finished that song, and he sang, till we see, and he sang the last note, I mean like it was triumphant. Christ! And he had the biggest smile. And we all looked at Doug. And while he was smiling, we were crying. Because here was a guy who had Down syndrome, but realized God didn't make a mistake. And it made me realize that day, how do I react when things happen in my life? When God's people complain, God is not happy. Thank God for his blessings this year. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.